Hey everybody, welcome to Heterodox Americana. This is a show about thinking outside the box and examining the conventional wisdom that informs how we think and shapes how we see the world around us. The question that we're ultimately trying to get at here is, how do our unexamined ideas impact our ability to thrive as human beings? And it's our intention to unpack some of these ideas, take a fresh heterodox perspective that hopefully leads us somewhere new. My name is Raphael Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Angie Backus, another one of your hosts. And today we'd like to talk about moral foundations theory. We talked a little bit about it. We mentioned it briefly in the first two episodes. But I think it's uh, it's time now to kind of dig in and talk about, one, what it is, but also, two, why it's useful, I think, in terms of its impact to people's um, their, their ability to thrive, but also really the, the impact of, of how we relate to each other as, as individuals, how we kind of tend to our relationships and what that means writ large for this disability, this skill to be able to decode the behaviors of people who are close to us uh, and really try to, again, you know, move this, this country a little bit closer. At least that, that's, that's my grand desire. Yeah, I think this is really important. I think we've been setting this up um, certainly in the last podcast. Um, I was talking to a dear friend this week um, and it was pretty stark in with regard to um, how she was considering not able not being able to um, process or even take in somebody else's viewpoint around I think specifically we're talking about race and politics because she was just so convinced that their opinion was wrong so wait I'm curious what was the nature of the of the disagreement well, it was specifically around uh, progressives and conservatives. And the way she was framing it is that progressives are constantly moving forward because they're progressing towards something. Conservatives are conserving. So they're kind of holding things and they're staying, I think from what I could ascertain, she was considering that they're pretty staying, they're staying stuck. They're not moving forward. And so for her getting her over into this realm to think that conservatives might want something different than what a progressive wants, she couldn't get there because for her, she got stuck on the words. I was about to say, yeah, it sounds like she's stuck at the language level. Yeah, if we're progressive, we're we're moving in a direction. If we're conserving, you know, I mean, even if we think about conserving energy, we're just sitting here. We can't, I mean, you, you can can't be, run. You could be progressing down a hill, though, going in the wrong... I mean, I understand that's not... Yeah, no, right, that's a that, that, point. That's what happens at the language level, but sure, no, I, I get what's happening. Yeah, so... And, and even in this, I was trying to consider what it's like for her, and con- I was thinking of moral foundations theory... What would it be like for her to be interested right. in what is being conserved by conservatives? Now, again, I don't think either one of us in the show, you and I, have revealed where we stand in all of this. I think it's mostly trying as best as we can to make a balanced attempt at at figuring out how to hear each other. Sure. So, um, and she and I both, we've been friends for years and I love her so much. So she absolutely knows where I stand politically. Um, but it was hard to try to interrupt that line of thinking to get her to 
consider that there might be some other way that she could think about this person first as a human, but then maybe what they want and what they're doing rather than they're just hoarding. So one of the things that I, I think that we can actually do uh, and, and maybe actually help the, the, the listeners to do is to not just be able to hear someone's kind of political stance uh, or their moral stance, but to be able to pop, you know, process that moral or political stance within a framework. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the natural starting point has to be Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Rousseau is certainly this enlightened philosopher who introduces this idea of a, of a blank slate, of a clean slate, that children come into the world with a blank slate. We think about that in terms of children's morality and really about their innocence, right? So this idea of children coming into the world both innocent and untainted, unfettered, it's a Rousseauian idea. What Jonathan Haidt, who is a evolutionary biologist and psychologist, he and his cohort, where they introduced this idea that not that children come into the world with a blank slate, but instead a rough draft of morality that becomes shaped and, and influenced over time by our environment and by our experiences. We all have some notion that our morality comes from our religion or maybe our family or maybe our, our culture. But height et al., what they suggest is that the, the same six or five or six moral foundations show up in every human all over the face of the planet, and that slowly we either hold on to all five or all six or whittle it down to three or four based on where we are in the world, what our environment is doing, and what our experiences are doing. The first one of these is about care. So certainly you see that all humans uh, really across the, the globe they care about other humans, right? They care about not doing harm to other humans. Um, and this is one of these foundations that is really ubiquitous across human cultures. So as a therapist, I really like this care thing. I know you and I talk about this a little bit because um, for me, I land on this pretty strong. Um, I'm, I'm an empath, thank God, because I'm a therapist. But I like that our brains are hardwired um, with these brain cells called mirror neurons that give us, um, it helps our brain to pick up on an emotional and social cues. So the care is significant. You called it ubiquitous. Right. Yeah. And so our brains are designed to do this. So I love the aspect of that whole care thing. It's, it's baked right into the pie. Yeah. So the number two baked in foundation of morality that we share as all humans is the idea of fairness and uh, really kind of being against cheating. Hmm. And so we have to be a little bit careful uh, with the word fairness itself because it, it can mean different things to to different people. But maybe one of the best ways to think about why it's so universal in humans. So there's a, this famous internet little clip about two monkeys. Mm-hmm. And one monkey, so there's a researcher who's given the monkey grapes. There's a, a transparent divider between the two monkeys. They're in a cage. Monkey number one performs a task, gets a grape. Monkey number one is perfectly happy with his grape. Hmm. There's a second monkey who performs an identical task and gets two grapes. Mm, that's incensing. Right? Yeah. So monkey number one does a double take. 
I get that. Right? Is, wait, wait, what happened over there? If I were there? monkey number one, I'd do a double take, That's too. That's what number, monkey number one did. Monkey number one. <laughs> monkey number one does a double take. And the researcher goes back to monkey number one. And the monkey performs because the monkey wants grapes. And monkey number one gets a, a grape. Mm-hmm. One grape. Now, you can see the monkey looks at the one grape and is like, I, I'm not sure about this. Of course. Right, the monkey's satisfied with the grape, but there's some there's some tension, some somewhat of a dissatisfaction with that one grape right. too. So, but completely satisfied the first time. Monkey uh, number two performs the same task, gets two grapes again. Dang that second monkey! Now monkey number one has a serious problem. Sure does. Yeah. The researcher <laughs> tries to get monkey number one to perform again, and yeah. now monkey number one is like, "F that." That's right. That guy's getting two. Of course. I get one. Of course. And this is this is a sense of fairness. Um, so we're not talking about people. No. I mean, and you see it in kids, right? Absolutely. Just thinking that. Kids, you know? it yeah. emerges so quickly. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. Yeah, I got to the point. That's how all kids talk about That me. is true. And I got to the point at some point in my mothering where I have three daughters. And I said, at one point I started saying, I don't care about fair. I don't care about fair. Every parent knows that line, life yeah. ain't fair. Because, right. you know, but... This sense of fairness, even as parents are saying something like mm-hmm. life ain't fair. Right. Uh, the kids know early, yeah. right? And the monkeys know that, that like fair. fairness right. is is being upset here. And so this idea of fairness and not cheating and not getting more than actually what you deserve, it's built into our our, our kind of the pie, the right? It's baked yeah. into the yeah, it's a moral foundation that we're all born with. What's another one? So another one that I think is is, is interesting because it, it starts to look different. So there's another one around sanctity. Mm. Uh, or sanctity pu- is a hard word. What does, what does sanctity even mean? Sanctity, purity, the idea of keeping yourself clean, keeping yourself pure. Uh, and what's interesting about this one is it tends to look different in liberals and conservatives. Yeah, right? I could see that. So for conservatives, I mean, you can almost think of it this way, right? Conservatives think about keeping the outside of the body pure. Like no tattoos? Or... Like tattoos, like body jewelry, mm-hmm. like... What... Of course, these are generalizations. These right? are all generalizations. Yeah. It's just a, a framework sure. that will allow us to stand uh, to understand mm-hmm. uh, kind of like how people are moving in society. Mm-hmm. But like where you, where you put your genitalia, mm-hmm. like that matters to conservatives, right? <laughs> um, and like don't put it there, you can I'm only not, put it here. I don't know here. what to say about that. Yeah. I'm just saying, it, it's yeah. very important. Sure. At the same time, there are far less concerned about what they eat, right? And and when I say far less concerned, I mean this. On the other side, you have people who are left-leaning or liberals or whatever it is that you want to call mm-hmm. them who like, I'm not going to eat McDonald's. Oh. Do you know where that beef comes from? Mm. Is this organic? Mm-hmm. Is this cold-pressed? Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of what you put into your body mm-hmm. that needs to be purified or needs to be closer to the earth or whatever it is. And this is people that are more left-leaning. These are people who are more left-leaning. And, and so, conservatives would be less likely to say, where did that come from? Or, I mean, that's the thinking. So okay. I don't care if it came from McDonald's, mm-hmm. but I do care that you have tattoos on your forehead. And that's their form of sanctity. And that's their form of sanctity. Okay. So keep the outside of the body pure. Mm-hmm. Whereas liberals are saying, let's keep the inside of the body pure. Mm. And so sanctity shows up in both ways. It just looks different in, in both groups. Okay. And then you have these two other foundations that really only show up for the people who are Mm right-leaning. And in this context, I really want to talk about right-leaning as opposed to just using the terms that we typically use here in the United States. 
because across cultures, so the researchers, when they're looking at different cultures, different political uh, structures, what we see over and over again is the people who are right-leaning or right of center. And I mean, we're talking about cultures as disparate mm-hmm. as, as Pakistan or Saudi Arabia and Germany and the United Kingdom. So places that just have different political structures, mm-hmm. different kind of cultural mores. But you still find that the people who are right-leaning have this five-channel morality that includes respect for authority and loyalty to the group wow. whereas the left-leaning people in those same countries and very disparate political structures uh, really only have a, a strong affinity for those uh, moral foundations that are about care and not doing harm fairness and not cheating and sanctity even though sanctity shows up in, in different mm-hmm. uh, ways for the respective sides But I think seeing that across the globe, that essentially you have humanity with one side doing something that Mm -hmm. is kind of right-leaning or conservative, and then you have an entire other half of humanity that's really about, um, that only Mm -hmm. has like a, let's say, like a a contracted sense uh, of morality. I mean, that's that's important. That's like a wild insight. It is. Um, There's an American experimental psychologist named Joshua Green who did this work with uh, Jonathan Haidt. And just to summarize, he he argues that liberals tend to emphasize care, fairness, liberty. Those are the dimensions they go towards. And conservatives, loyalty, authority, and sanctity, which is what you said. I just want to kind of encapsulate it there. Yeah, and, I think that's right. Yeah, and I think for, you know, what I was talking about with my friend, this was where it all started to break down. Um, conservatives want one thing, progressives want one thing. But I think for her, she got caught in what was superior. Maybe if you just kind of understand that everybody wants something that's very connected to them and they care deeply about right. these these foundations, these moral foundations. It's not so much who's better, it's just what's different. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. For for the three that are, um, you know, I, I think if you were going to make an argument for care, I think everyone kind of fundamentally understands what, what care is about. I think people fundamentally understand what uh, fairness is about. Uh, but some of the other ones, I don't necessarily know if it's obvious. Let's say, for example, authority or respect for authority. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that important? And I think if, if people are wrestling with that and they have to, like, you know, kind of jump to the other side of why respect for authority is important, I don't necessarily think it's that easy. I don't. It, yeah, I don't either. Rafa, why would you consider that respect for authority be important? Why is that important? So here's where it gets complicated. Uh, or maybe it doesn't. I'm just thinking about you personally. Why is authority important? Well, for me personally. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. Uh, I would say uh, uh, for respect for authority is probably not the most ah. important thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see. For those of you who missed it, Angie has cornered me into revealing my political identity, uh, which I would say is... It's nuance, right, Rafa? It's very... Which is yeah. what we do. We do complexity and we do nuance. I love um, the cornering part. That's exciting. Cornered. Yeah. Uh, I would say that... Respect for authority does not show up as a moral issue for okay. me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a mixed strategy. I'm somewhere between uh, left-leaning libertarian 
oh. and a conservative. Look right. at that, you guys! It's uh, it is a it it is a revealing. Right. It's so exciting. It's only and, the third show. Look and, at you go. And, and so the libertarians, of course, they introduce a whole other complicated part oh, no. of, of this thing. Um, but if you will, uh, yeah, so that, that's where I am. So okay. respect for authority. Respect for authority. How, does not show up as a moral issue for me. For you. How could you see it as showing up as a moral issue for somebody else? So th- that's, that's a fantastic question. Thank you. Um, you, you have this yin and, and yang, if you will, that is happening in society. And they both, you know, between liberals and conservatives, and they both have really, really important functions, mm-hmm. right? Um, the conservatives are there, in essence, to make sure, I mean, they're there as a bulwark against entropy. And by that, I mean, I, you know, I really mean they're there to keep the country a country. Okay. Um, but you still need fresh ideas. You still need new ideas. You still need a, a thin membrane of uh, you need people to be able to think in novel ways so could you say just in what i heard just now that we need each other conservatives need liberals liberals need conservatives absolutely nice for this country to for any country to work Mm -hmm. you need people who are one you know one group who's there to hold the center if you will and you need another group to go out to the edge and explore and say hey what's happening if you don't explore if you don't say what's happening if if there isn't this this kind of um you know, transmission of ideas, of new ideas, then not only will you stagnate, but as nation states, at least as where we are now, you have competitors. They're competitor nation states, and they will eat your lunch. They will come for you, right? Mm-hmm. The international system still is what it is so far. Uh-oh. Okay. So, so yeah, you, you need fresh ideas in order to stay relevant. And, I mean, that's what education is, right? Well, one of the things that I, th- I think is important in just what I heard you say, so... I heard you say that authority for you is not necessarily where you would go as something that you value highly, but uh, as right? a moral thing, correct? As a moral, as a moral foundation. But I, then I heard you move over to this idea that you could understand how others might value it, and not just that, but that we need those people that do. So you're saying, correct? It doesn't really fall along the line of my things in terms of moral foundation, where I put. Where I hang my hat, so to speak. Correct. But I'm glad that others hang their hat there. And I actually need those people. And they need me. That's right. We need... Yes, I need them. Mm-hmm. They, they need me. Oh, and, um, very cute. Right? We, we all need each other. We need each the other. The liberals, the conservatives, and the libertarians. We, we all mm-hmm. need each other. Yeah. Uh, because we, we push the thing forward in a particular kind of way, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's another thing that I, I think liberals or left-leaning people do that is also very important they are there to protect the most vulnerable people in society right Right. so i don't think you can find a liberal probably in 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 any country or any society that would say that they're not for protecting the most marginalized and the most vulnerable people and i mean that's the core Mm uh whereas conservatives are certainly about uh, let's hold on to the foundation. Yeah. Um, and both things are necessary. So, I mean, you know, just really to reiterate what you already said, mm-hmm. uh, it, it doesn't function without both groups kind of playing their role. That's really important. How hopeful is that? Honestly, you know, we need each other. This isn't something we need to fight against. I mean, you know, we're going to fight. We're going to figure this right. out. But I love this idea. I mean, I I liked cornering you in that very personal way. And even though I'm not trying to actually push you to Mm. kind of, yeah, maybe so, a little bit, (laughs) reveal of your personal ideas. But 
I think that you can reveal them and then still say, and it's okay that right. I'm different or that somebody else has a different, um, very foundational thought that's going to probably not match mine. Sure. It's still okay. And we can still figure this out together. Yeah. I mean, the figuring. So, I mean, so that, I mean, that is my hope, right? That's exactly my hope. Um, I think one of the things that, that tends to stand in our way, let's say outside of the show or outside of people who are kind of looking at it in, in this methodical way is that we're not, I mean, we, we hear, it's the same thing you were talking mm-hmm. about your friend. We hear the emotionality of it, right? but we don't understand the logic of it and we don't understand the purpose of it. Right. And so hopefully by introducing a framework right. to say, even if I don't like what my brother says or That's my right. dad said or whatever it is, right? Even if I don't like that, if we can understand that this person is on what they're on about for a reason, right. then that gives me a little bit of hope. It really does. Yeah, and I think that it's not necessarily, I'm not trying to like push us into the feel-good zone. Um, really, what I, I think what I'm trying to suggest is there's room for everybody at the table. We talked about last week, if I tie this in, that we're putting food out, let's take a right. bite. And I really do think of uh, around this communal aspect that we come together and, and do this together. Um, you know, we talked a little bit uh, we we were talking about group therapy, psychotherapy for the country. Um, and I was thinking this week about what uh, group therapy offers, you know, when we get together as, as, as a group, right. as a people. Group therapy. Yeah, <laughs> group therapy. And it actually brings accountability to each other. So when, mm. when you're in a group and you're all talking together, there's this accountability that starts to emerge. It doesn't happen initially because it's very tenuous. People aren't really willing to share but then i get it yeah so then you get into this group dynamic and as you begin to trust each other and this is really an important aspect of group therapy people start to begin to trust each other and they open up more and more with their stories and as the trust grows then people are able to say something like and here's you know an example around what you were just saying this probably wouldn't happen in group therapy but (laughs) oh you love authority um i don't love authority but that's okay that you do let's talk about that you know, sounds very like feely, right? Yes, it sounds very it feely. Is, yeah, it does sound feely. But um, these intimate stories, those are the things that um, that connect us. Um, if we can allow space for that, this vulnerability of people to to actually speak about their real experience, right? So, I mean, exactly right. It, it's connecting in these very human ways. Uh, and I, I think, I mean, I, I think we're saying the same thing. We're connecting in very human ways and, and being able to kind of move past just that, that shell of how we conceptualizing the world, but being able to connect our humanity to the humanity of someone else. That's so And that important. really brings the walls down. That's exactly right. Um, Along the lines of shared humanity. Right. Yes. And, and, and that, that's ultimately the goal. I mean, in, in some ways, I, I think this is the goal of even what we're talking about. I can give you an example of how this very framework, right? So I was at a, even though I'm not necessarily like a church going person, I'm not at all a church going person. Um, I was at a church event and there was a speaker who was talking about uh, the death of Mike Brown. So for those of you who don't remember, Mike Brown was the resident of Ferguson. He was a young black man, he was 18 years old. And um, he was shot by a police officer after having allegedly stole some cigarillos, right? Right. And no matter where you land on um, on any of this, uh, the speaker forwarded this point that 
irrespective of, of your politics, you have to agree that if you believe in due process, that no United States citizen deserves to be executed That's right. or even killed uh, because of the theft of yeah. cigarillos, right? right? So whether or not he did it is not necessarily germane to the point. Um, what what I what I saw that there was a a decent amount of dissonance, like a you know, a fair amount of dissonance between this church listening audience mm-hmm. and the speaker, right? Uh-huh. And I don't necessarily know if the speaker perceived this dissonance, but I got to talk to a few people afterwards, and uh, it was interesting to see that their framework of the world, right? One of the things that was important for them was authority. Um, and, you know, and respectability. And that works in between, you know, authority and, and loyalty. Respectability works in there in, in some way. Can I- Just for clarification, what you're saying is that the the preacher, the pastor was saying no one should be killed over cigarellos. And you could he- you could sense that the, the congregants were a little bit, not in opposition, but they were having a hard time with whatever the pastor was delivering. Is that true? Right. So this was a guest speaker. Okay. Right. That they were not necessarily used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly what happened. Okay. Um, so yes, exactly. Precisely. And I got the opportunity to talk to some of the parishioners and, and really see what some of that dissonance that I perceived was about. Uh, and it was it was true. Right. There were some parishioners who expressed that although they were mostly in line with the with the chief thesis of that guest speaker that being that uh that no one that, should be killed over cigarellos that's exactly right yeah uh there were some other points that they felt um so there was a sense of both uh, like respect for authority and 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 um and respectability and some loyalty that was in there that said i mean it essentially broke down like this if you're behaving right in the world, mm-hmm. this would not have happened. Mm-hmm. And I think on the face of it, that thinking was, I mean, I think it would be a front to anyone who is left-leaning. Yeah. And also it, it was hard for even, for, you know, my own politics, right? You know, uh, it was, I didn't quite get it. But I did have this moral foundations understanding in my, bo- in my back pocket. And so I, I started to explore just to see if I could understand the worldview a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hierarchy around authority is really important. Um, and so one of the directions that I could have gone was to explain to them, right, you know, my point, which was this is still a life and he didn't deserve this. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have fallen on deaf ears. Instead, once I realized that they had an entire hierarchy of authority and respectability and loyalty that I didn't have, then I said, well, let me do the other thing. Let me emphasize the things that I do know that they care about. Let me emphasize care. Let me emphasize the things that we do care about and that we share in common. Uh, Let me de-emphasize our differences and really start to push home what it means to be a son, what it means to be uh, a brother, like what it means to be a community member and what that life means. And as I started to really push into the idea of uh, the care around a son, around a person, around like a, someone who had a name and like that, that entire kind of personal aspect, 
then the walls around um, respectability, the, the walls around doing the right thing, the walls around, oh, he shouldn't have done this, all those walls fell down. Hmm. And we were able to to have a different kind of conversation that the speaker wasn't able to get to, but but by de-emphasizing those differences and really kind of honing in on what we had in common and really like pushing the care, pushing the idea of humanity. E- even the the personers that I, that I spoke to, we were able to get somewhere different mm-hmm. w- with the same Mike Brown conversation. Yeah. Um... I'm listening to, I was holding on to myself, so to speak, as you were speaking, because um, it. I particularly think, you know, thinking of this as a therapist or, you know, just any human in the world, I mean, this is where um, kind of the disruption starts to erupt, right? I could feel myself um, caring more deeply about Mike Brown's life and what um, what it meant for him to be dismissed in this church service, even though these people cared more about it or cared deeply about authority. Um, and as I held on and as you were speaking, and I could hear you say, once I started to press into the humanity and the care, which is what I think most of us can, you, you call that ubiquitous. Um, and we talk about, talked about that as, um, mirror neurons that we are all kind of designed like this, you could get to a place where you could perhaps, you said the walls start to fall down and people could start to see the care part over the authority part, or maybe, you know, not just over the authority part, but start to push into this more likeness right. in they, humanity. They start to see it for sure. But it took a lot, even as you were talking I wanted to jump in and and I wanted to say, wait, ho- hold up. That's it's not okay. It's not right. okay ever to erase humanity, right. even if your moral foundation right. of authority is higher than your I don't know higher than care, but it, it, something's not landing there for me. Right, but so, so this is why it's so hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, this is why it's so hard, right? Mm-hmm. It's because we nearly all of us we operate out of our own kind of like moral framework. Yeah. Um, but really, is that a moral framework? Or are we saying, because Mike Brown's life was taken, and we do know that if if people want to consider that as an offense around, presumably, because there's still, the jury's out about stealing cigarettes, right, sure. because there's a whole other theory that is out there as well. Um, is that enough? Like, how does this work? So I'm not saying it is or it is or is not enough, mm-hmm. but certainly, I mean, you out at me like here's 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 where your liberalism shows, right? Um, and <laughs> you out of me, or I outed you, or what, I outed myself. Facts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here's where it shows, and, and and this is really the hard part to step outside of right. you know. So Height uses this term moral matrix, but to, right. to step outside of our moral our own moral framework is hard. Yeah. Um, and this is a, you know, I think it's the task that, that we have to do, certainly. It's certainly the task that I think, you know, uh, we're, we're asking our listeners to do. Uh, because I want people to take this same mm-hmm. difficulty, these yeah. same difficult conversations, and take it to their world, take it to their respective circles, and have these, like, kind of, you know, uncomfortable conversations. It's uncomfortable with the people that that are close to us. But even some of these ideas are uncomfortable for, you know, like when we have to consider 
what does it mean to think out, like, what does it mean to think in, of Mike Brown in, in different kinds of ways that were uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. But there's a, a important section of the country that thinks about it in that way. And we might feel morally right. But we have to understand mm-hmm. that there's a different morality, right, that exists for, for people. And that is where the difficulty comes in. As long as it breaks down, because I think where you started to catch me was when you started to say... Um, once I could understand their viewpoint and I could appeal to the senses around care, right? Um, I started to watch something else transform. So that for me is where you caught me again. Right. It's like, oh, okay, we can actually um, meet somewhere in all of this. Right. Um, and that's what I think is significant. And that's what I think, honestly, is what's going to heal us if we can somehow find the ways to meet. Right. And that's honestly, when I was watching your, listening to your story, I was like, okay, okay, I can meet in this idea right. of care. So it's not going to be easy. No. But I think, and, you know, <laughs> and this is what frameworks are good for, right? They're saying, how, how do I walk uh, along this well, path? Well, I like that it played out right here. Because right. I could feel it. You know? I, I, yeah. I, I saw you feeling it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is the charge. And right. that's what we'll do. And we'll continue to walk this path. And help our listeners walk this path, and and hopefully over time, you know, we get to flesh out what this looks like, even in all of its difficulty, because it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing that's—I uh, mean, the hard one stuff—that's that's the stuff that really bears fruit. So it's true; it does bear fruit. The hard stuff does does bear fruit. And I think it, what's important is that um, if if our listeners can keep an open mind, just as I had to do right. as <laughs> right. I was listening right. to you. And I know, I mean, I know you, I know you land, but I, I was hearing how this all played out. And I think, you know, if we can all just kind of bear this with each other and come to some understanding that we're all just really trying to work through this and get to some better place, that's where we're going. Right. And I think we're, we're going to get there. Good. Let's go. Let's do that. For Heterodox Americana, this is Raphael Freeman. And I'm Angie Backus. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have uh, enjoyed what you heard, then subscribe and share with your friends. Mm. Thanks. Mm.